Welcome back to the CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor CIO. In this episode, we talk to the CIO of one of Australia's most established charity organisations and the CIO of one of Australia's largest and oldest law firms about their experiences deploying SD-WAN to improve communications, efficiency and reach. We also talk to two leading analysts in this space about how the technology has evolved in just a few short years, really, to become an essential pillar for any sensible digital transformation strategy. Our first guest is Fawad Fadagi, who's Managing Director and Principal Analyst with analyst firm Telsite. Fawad, welcome to the CIO Show. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. Now, mate, I understand that you guys have done some pretty deep research, specifically looking at the Australian market for, for SD-WAN. Tell me about what some of the headlines were there. Well, I guess it goes without saying the impact of COVID has really driven the demand for SD-WAN and SD-WAN features. Um, we're seeing obviously more re- more remote homework. We're seeing the increased need for access to cloud apps and services. And you know, a certain percentage of our, um, CIOs to our surveys have indicated that um, you know WAN capacity has been really stretched during uh, during the COVID period. Yeah, so you know, all these factors kind of have um, come together and, and created this um, really booming market. Yeah. What are you seeing as being the overall drivers for? adoption of SD-WAN if we leave COVID aside? So, look, I think there's a number of reasons, David. I think, first and foremost, putting COVID aside, you know, the modernization of the network is is a is an ongoing trend that organizations have been following for a long time. And when we look at SD-WAN as well, around one in three organizations have SD-WAN as part of their digital transformation strategy. Yeah. So for a lot of organizations, this kind of journey had started a while back um, when they started, you know, utilizing cloud applications, started to notice application lags um, and the inability to scale some of their applications uh, across their network as, as, as well as they would have liked. So I think there's, there's, a, there's a confluence of forces there. It's not, I wouldn't say it's just one factor for any um, particular organization that drives the adoption of SD-WAN, but certainly what we're seeing is all the kind of the, the uh, boxes are being ticked right now when it comes to deploying this sort of technology in the enterprise. Right. And in your, your research, you, you found that 75% of large of the large Australian organisations that you surveyed are already using SD-WAN. Well, look, I, I have to clarify, it is organisations that have five uh, sites or more sure. um, that are large and have five sites or more. So certainly you'd expect organisations of that size to be considering or indeed adopting some uh, form of uh, software-defined uh, networking technologies across the um, WAN. So it's not a massive surprise. I think for a lot of organizations, you know, it's about adopting uh, the more recent technology and looking at some of the new technologies that is uh, capturing the imagination. Yeah. And you also had you also had 91% of respondents identifying SD-WAN as imperative. God, that, 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 that number, you wouldn't have seen that number three years ago, would you? Oh, look, I absolutely not. I'm yeah. certainly aware that um, and, you know, the availability of, of offerings out there. And, and uh, if you like, the relevance of the technology to the enterprise has in- immensely increased in the last few years. And what do you think, what, what, are the, what are the top things that CIOs need to consider before, you know, diving into the SD-WAN pool? Look, I guess it comes down to the, the business priorities that the organization has. What we've seen is that organizations that have profile of looking to reduce risk or in, indeed massively increasing their cloud utilization and are looking for, I guess, better performance and better quality of experience for their 
for their employees and potentially their customers. It's definitely been uh, an area which has, has uh, as I said, raised interest and, and certainly been adopted for, for many of those reasons. And so I understand that there's it's not just about SD WAN. There's also SD LAN is now creeping into is now at creeping into the the lexicon. Technology is definitely rapidly advancing. It's it's the, you know the approaches that are used across the wide area network, you know, are really being extended across different connectivity um, areas, and even into to the wireless space. Um, importantly, into the wireless space where you look at organisations that are pushing 5G to, to, into their networks and, and operating an environment um, regardless of the connectivity. So it, it's no real surprise that we're seeing, um, you know, the proliferation of uh, more software-defined technologies. So mobile SD-WAN is what we're talking about, right? Indeed, indeed. Look, it's so that's, called that, mobile that, that SD-WAN. Sounds, but, that sounds exciting. Uh, look, I think for a lot of organisations it could be. Um, especially with, especially with 5G, look, yeah? Yeah, well, well, first of all, you have to have 5G available for for it to be um, potentially utilised. But I think a lot of organisations are looking at 5G for utilisation within their IoT, um, but also, you know, extending the networks to to those remote branches that they might have um, in areas where fibre, for example, is not available um, yet or, or, or is too expensive to, to roll out. So it, it presents, I guess, uh, an opportunity for... The modernization that many organizations want, the sim- simple one experience that all employees are expected to have when utilizing apps um, or indeed customers accessing services. So, um, you know, it makes no, it's no surprise that we're seeing so much um, interest, I think, in, in 5G in the, in, the, in the enterprise space. So we're certainly seeing a lot of legacy networking hardware being retired, you know, in the last couple of years and presumably a lot more of it's going to be retired yeah, look, absolutely. I think one of the um, underlying or quiet reasons organizations are doing that is for better security um, and better integration of security and policies across yeah, right. uh, how they approach things. And that's really been driven by the, the level of security that you see on um, uh, in, in cloud-based um, uh, apps, platforms, and so forth um, for organizations um, to, to match that on their, uh, on their own on-premise equipment has has really been the, the, the objective for many organizations. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. The security question with regard to SD-WAN does seem to be largely around the greater ease of integrating with existing or future cybersecurity technologies compared to legacy, you know, hardware-based communications infrastructure, as opposed to security being an inherent quality within SD-WAN, right? Yeah, look, indeed, and I think there is still um, fear of some new technology. You know, when we look at our surveys, around about one in five are saying that the, the risk of cybersecurity breaches is too high uh, in terms of um, a barrier to adopting SD-WAN services too. So it's one of these things that is both um, a driver in some respects, as you said, in terms of the integration, but on the other hand, it still needs to overcome some of the, the, the perceptions uh, that the market has. Yeah, and it's it's also um, you've highlighted concerns about security, but also um, concerns about knowledge or understanding as being another barrier um, to estimate. I mean, it is. No. I don't know. Is it, I mean, it's, so how old would how old would we say the technology is? Is it th- three three years old? So I mean, in the pace that we're going at at the moment in the tech industry, it's kind of reaching sort of like it's a certain level of maturity, right? Look, I think it's still rapidly evolving and that's mm. why you're seeing one in three are having um, lack of knowledge issues. And I think that's also driving a lot of 
is kind of the adoption of partners or, or service providers to help manage SD-WANs and, and manage manage SD-WAN roadmaps and, and technology roadmaps as well. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, certainly we, we, we see it as a technology for the next, um, you know, foreseeable future, but one that, you know, in, in two years' time when we do this session again, we'll be talking about something completely different almost, I think. And on, on that on that security uh, aspect of this this conversation, one of the I was speaking to a, a, a former telco CIO a couple of weeks ago about about this topic, and he was of the view that that SD WAN is becoming a little a little passe. And then I went online, I found enormous amounts of literature and research about it. Anyway, he was of the view that um, that a lot of CIOs, particularly in the telecommunication space, are talking more about. Um, sassy you know to this security conversation that we're having is that is that sort of what you know does that seem reasonable to you or a bit sort of off the mark well look uh, it's understandable there's a lot of things that are becoming passe or have become passe very quickly Mm. in the last few years it depends on how you describe them things like digital transformation um we might not like those words but how else do you describe what's um, what's happening? You know, te- te- technology modernization. That is, is you know, it's uh, semantic in many respects. So mm. it's understandable because there's a lot of noise around SD WAN. There's a lot of offerings out there. You know, do you get it from a carrier? Do you get it from a service provider? Do you get it from a software vendor? You know, do, is it baked into your hardware? You know, there's so many um, iterations and and uh, you know the terms bandied around uh, in so many ways that it's understandable if. Um, we're going through a bit of a, uh, a trough in terms of um, uh, perception of the, the term. Yeah, I mean, it's, it would certainly seem timely as more and more organisations are looking looking to, you know, improve their connectivity, improve their intelligence at the edge, right? I mean, do you, do you see those connect the connection there with these technologies? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, and you know, it's it's it is about intelligence and it's about capturing more intelligence, whether that's through. Internet of Things, you know, using machine learning across, you know, all the devices and all the data sources that organizations have access to. And, you know, SD-WAN is, is, is part of that. You know, in fact, a lot of the, 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 the smarts and the AIs that we talk about within network technologies are really um, coming to fruition through SD-WAN. Yeah, indeed. Well, Fahad, wonderful insights, mate. Really appreciate your time. Great having you on the show and we look forward to having you back on again soon. Anytime, David. Thanks for having me. We enable any organization to use any technology. We help all companies become technology companies, protecting the identity of both workforces and customers, connecting the right people to the right technology at the right time. Opta, one trusted platform to secure every identity in your organization. Joining us now is Matthews George, who's the Chief Information Officer with long-standing Australian charity, The Smith Family. Matthews, welcome to the CIO Show. Thank you, David, for having me on the show. Now, I, I understand The Smith Family is, is, is well down the road um, with a, a, a fairly comprehensive digital transformation project. You're obviously a very long-running organisation and no doubt an incredible amount of legacy equipment. And um, I'm sure last year was was a was a particularly challenging year, and certainly one that would have focused focused the attention of of you and and the executives at the organisation about how to apply digital tools for achieving your aims. Yes, David. So we are Australia's leading children's education charity. Yeah. And we have been supporting Australian children in almost hundred years. Yeah. Um, we help 
young Australians from disadvantaged backgrounds to break the cycle of poverty by supporting them to succeed at school. And last year, uh, as you know, families living in poverty often face complex and compounding issues. Yeah, yeah. And with COVID, mm. what we saw is at the start of COVID, almost a quarter of our students on our Learning for Life program, yep. they lack access to computer and or accessible, um, reliable internet at home. Furthermore, what we saw is um, in a recent survey that more than half of respondents they see child poverty worsen as a result of COVID. Yep. And 70% expect that to worsen even more over the next 12 months. Yeah. So the digital divide is, is just one of the many challenges regularly faced by the families that we support. Mm -hmm. And the Smith family has been working to address this inequality for a long time. Yeah. And COVID-19 has shown us all why issues such as the digital divide need to be so urgently addressed. Yeah, yeah good point. And so I, I, I understand that this... The, the core pillar of this of the Smith family's digital transformation has been this national SD WAN that you've been rolling out. It's called Pipeworks. Tell me about the the genesis of that idea and and, and your experiences in in rolling that out and what you've been able to achieve. Yes, David. So this uh, this all started with the five year strategy that has a bold ambition to increase the number of young Australians reached with our effective evidence based program. Yep. And digitization and high performing systems were identified as strategic priorities yeah. to sustainably deliver that strategy. And when I say digitization, it, it's in two forms. One is to meet the expectation of our external stakeholders yeah. that are increasingly using digital experiences in their daily life. Yeah. And the second is delivering internal efficiencies so that our team members and volunteers yeah. can focus their efforts more on interaction with their families mm. and the effectiveness of our program. Yeah. But our old network infrastructure was preventing us from doing that. Yes. It was over six years old and literally falling over. We probably won't mention the vendors that you were, that, that you were using. <laughs> uh, it, it, it needed maintenance. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, as, as I hear from, from our team members, it was preventing them from doing work. Yeah. rather than enabling the technology, enabling them to do some work. Yeah, yeah. So with, with that digitization in mind, um, we had uh, a look at what are the things that we can do. And the, the core fundamental piece was this uh, network, network, national network infrastructure mm. that we call uh, the Pipeworks project. Yeah. And SD-WAN is the technology that, that is used there. And the national network it connects nearly eighty offices across the country. Wow, that's a lot uh, of sites. So that's, I mean, that that really is a you know just an exemplar sort of, you're really an exemplar organisation for you know the the for deployment of SD WAN really aren't you with that many sites and so many people. Yes, and so many people who who need access to business systems. Yeah. Such as CRM, email, file servers, just to their day to day work. So um, the the SD WAN implementation. Thankfully, we had done this, uh, completed this just before the pandemic was declared. Yeah. And what that meant is our team members were smoothly able to transition um, in a, to work from their home safely and, and to support this increased demand for digitization. Yeah. And through this improved network, the use of collaboration tools such as Zoom and Teams 
had become so integrated into how we work across locations yeah. that we could easily collaborate across their homes as well. Yeah. So no matter where they were, where they were working from, um, we all could interact with each other. Was so that, it- that was really pivotal to how we started. Right. I mean, Zoom's an interesting example. I mean, you, um, you, you clearly were, became, became extremely reliant on, on the platform. And it seems as though had you not got your SD-WAN deployment to the point that you had prior to the pandemic striking, you might have had some serious difficulties. Yes, of course. So at a time where, speaking to my peers, some of them were doing due diligence for various collaboration tools. Um, or even were in the process of rolling rolling out. You know, this is amid the pandemic striking. We were already already in in um, let's say a good place. Yeah. And a good testament is around about March in 2020. We were we had a virtual conference with over 50 participants all over across Australia. Yeah. You know, join into this virtual conference uh, very seamlessly. So yes, the way of working had had change thankfully for us which made um, the COVID impact very less on our team members and volunteers. Yeah sure and so I understand that you're when you talk about your you know this five-year plan to increase engagement it, it the, the figure was 30 percent to be I recently learned I mean that's that's an extraordinarily bold and ambition talk to me about you know specifically how this SD-WAN deployment is is going to help you with that that goal of, of reaching 30 percent more um, Australians in, in potential need. Yes. So, what what the network does basically helps people, our team members and volunteers, put time back into interaction with our families mm. and focusing on the program. In the previous network was taking that precious time away. So this is an enabler for for the the scale that we are looking to achieve. Yeah. Uh, not the only one, but this is the the, the foundation. Sure. Now, I, I hesitate in, in talking about the network as uh, as the let's say the golden nugget uh, that that takes you to the thirty percent. Yeah, sure. But no, this is this is the foundation. Mm. Now, how how it gets us to that is, you know, imagine I, I say going every day to work through a single lane in a city street yeah. during school time traffic. And now what we have is you can get to work on a two-lane highway you know, with flowing uh, traffic. Mm-hmm. So from what one of our team members would be experiencing, you know, uh, one of the anecdotes that I pulled out for, for, for our conversation is, um, this is from one of our team members, I have only been working for an hour and have already got so much done because yeah. of the faster speed. Yeah. So just having that improved network performance itself Helps us get there. Yeah. Now, B is being uh, working with children. Security is, is important to us. Of course, the yeah. Security of, of the information that we store of these young uh, children is important for us. And through the SD WAN implementation, what it helps us do is, is achieve these, uh, the scale or, or, or digitization while improving the security, not just keeping the security, but increasing. Yeah. The third thing that we talk about is being a national, um, having a national footprint. We we often have office relocation, and thanks to the SD WAN, we are able to 
reduce the lead time in setting up a new office or moving offices. Yeah. This can turn increases the agility of, of what we do. Saying it also helps us centrally manage and administer being a small team. We only have uh, presence in Sydney. Our team has presence in Sydney. Having the SB WAN architecture means we can centrally monitor and administer the network. Last but not the least, is part of our strategy is using more cloud-based, not just collaboration tools but CRM tools, yeah. so that we are developing less, yeah. but using more off-the-shelf SaaS-based software, mm-hmm. so that our effort is more tilted towards supporting our family. Yeah. Yeah, and SB one allows us to do all these five things. And so, t- talk to me about the you know how the actual implementation work because I mean clearly it's not a case of just turning off the old network and turning on the new one. I mean it, it was a fairly incremental process that you had to manage quite carefully, right? Yes. So um, we took a agile approach, uh, if, if I would say, yeah, uh, to this project where we identified waves, six or seven waves for for the entire program implementation and that's waves that's waves as opposed to tests is that right uh yes so the 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 thinking is is still test and learn um instead of using the terminology of an agile sprint Mm -hmm. which is typically let's say two weeks four weeks we called it wave because it would have been a couple of months the first first uh, proof of concept let's say so we identified a few of the sites Varies varying dimensions. Some small offices, some medium-sized regional regional offices, and some larger state offices. Yeah. And implemented the technology or solution in those office locations. Use that learning to then improve our next wave, and then kept going on. Yeah. So that approach of test and learn was innovative, if you ask me, especially for an infrastructure project. Yeah. Uh, something else that we did well, which helped us do the rollout quicker was, um, as you would know, with an SD WAN, it can uh, allow for multiple carriers yes. uh, or carriers. The thinking that the team call, came up with is have a minimum viable product mm-hmm. that for any office location, as long as you've got the SD WAN implant, you've got one carriage, and the firewall, keeping the security in mind, that becomes the minimum viable product. And that office location is considered live. Yeah. And which means that we could go on and cover the scale of, of the project very quickly um, and come back and put on the second secondary carriage yeah. as, as it became available. So that, that worked really well for us. It's interesting that you're describing... Um, embracing an agile methodology for what's effectively an infrastructure project. That's fairly unique, right? Yes. In my experience, this this was um, one of the largest and probably best experiences of of applying uh, agile, which is typically used in a software development uh, project, in an infrastructure project. And um, that's the thinking and culture that that we carry within the business family. Yeah, sure. Well, Matthew, thanks so much for your time there. I mean, it's uh, clearly you've got last year was an incredibly difficult year and, and so many Australians in need um, prior to COVID and then you know, no doubt vastly more 
um, you know, requiring the services of, of, of the Smith family. Such a critical organisation. Wish you all the best for 2021. Let's hope it's a better one and we um, look forward to having you back on the show again soon. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Joining us now is Nathan McGregor, who's our global head of IT infrastructure with Mint law firm Minter Ellison. Nathan, welcome to the CIO Show. Yeah, thanks, David. Appreciate you having me on. Mate, I, I noticed recently, and this really blew my mind, that Minter Ellison is something like nearly 200 years old, something like 197 years old. Isn't it? That's just mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, established uh, back in 1827, I believe. Um, although it, it does come with its, its downsides. There's a lot of old embedded cultures and, you know, challenges there to try and modernise, but, you know, today's legal firm, as it would be. Well, that's 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 quite a legacy from a, you know, if you're in the IT space, that doesn't get more, much more legacy than that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah especially <laughs> when you're trying to, you know, one of the, one of the main, you know, objectives of our incoming um, chief digital officer and CEO is to try and digitise that legal firm per se, um, and there's a lot of embedded cultures that, you know, this is yeah. the way we do it and this is the way we've always done it, so to speak. Yeah, and so you you, you really you got to the stage where your, you know, your, your network communications infrastructure, you'd really outgrown it. It was starting to become a pain and you made you made this decision to to, to pretty much migrate holus bolus to SD-WAN. Talk me through the, the, the thinking, you know, um, in, in making that decision and, and, and then we'll get into, you know, say what, your experiences were in actually deploying the technology and what you're able to achieve. Yeah, okay. So, so I suppose if, if I start back at the top and the business drivers behind it all was, to, you know, we were a cloud-first company. Um, we recently acquired a new chief digital officer, being Gary Adler. Um, yep. We, you know, it was all cloud-first, uh, trying to digitise uh, a lot of the firms, a lot of those processes, but you know, the old legal processes, bringing in business process automation, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and we had the traditional old MPOS links like everybody does. Yeah. Um, they were starting, I mean, they're quite costly to maintain. Oh, they are. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and just trying to build a better user experience as we move to, you know, cloud-based applications, um, you know, using infrastructure as a service, software as a service, all those types of as a service, yeah. which are all built out of the cloud. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and it was just an opportune time because we got to the stage where our legacy, um, our, our equipment was becoming end of life effectively. So our, our networking equipment, you know, there be routers and WAN optimization devices. Yeah. We're also coming to end of life and it was just a, an opportune time to, to go back to market and see what was available in the market at the time. Yeah, sure. Um, and SD-WAN was one of those technologies that we, we sort of looked at yeah. um, and, and started to investigate. Yeah, I mean, and you've got, I mean, you know, obviously law, law firms, obviously, uh, I mean, no organisation these, these days can afford to, you know, mess around with communications and, and, and risk losing information or misinformation, but surely that's um, even more paramount in the, leg, in the legal profession. And you are a massive law firm. A lot of people, you know, probably aren't aware of how big Minter Ellison is, Australian company, but extensive um, international uh, footprint, so 2,700 staff in total, 270 legal partners working in Australia, Hong Kong, China, London, and Mongolia, seven sites in Australia and, and five overseas. So, yeah, absolutely a, um, an appropriate organisation to be contemplating SD-WAN. Yeah, it certainly has its challenges. And, and getting links into um, you know, Ulaanbaatar or Mongolia was, was certainly quite a challenge. Um, <laughs> at one stage, I think we, would, we had like... Well, you talk about that at dinner parties. I bet people are interested to hear about that at dinner parties. No, I am, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting times, interesting time, and then and then you had the language barriers as well. So yeah, yeah quite. Yeah. So talk talk me through what 
you know, your, your challenges were in, in terms of the deployment? Um, so SD-WAN at the time was quite, I think it only just come to market, like it was only starting to get traction. Um, and when are, we, when are we talking about now? Oh, we're talking oh, 20, 20, 2019, yeah, so the yeah. back end of 2019, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, later, yeah, yeah. later in the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we, um, you know, previously used uh, another competitor in the in the optimization, so the WAN acceleration and optimization piece. Yeah. Um, we were, you know, using Cisco WAN routers. We um, we went to market, so we had a look at the likes of, you know, the Silver Peaks, the Riverbeds, the Viptellas, the Velos of the world. Yeah. Um, and we weren't quite ready to sort of drop having that, I suppose, confidence in WAN optimization technology and, and the improvements that that brought to the user experience. And yep. so uh, we actually picked the Silver Peak platform to be our, become our SD WAN fabric. Um, right. Awesome. Right, yeah. right. And so talk, talk to me about the, the shortcomings of the, of the legacy um, infrastructure that you've replaced. Obviously, you know, predominantly a hardware-based um, network. Yeah, hardware. Yeah, needed specialist engineers to maintain and yep. look after it. Um, uh, we had, uh, while we had redundancy in our network, it was a, an active passive model. So therefore, yeah. you know, we needed to bring up. You needed. So we had two appliances in our data center. Effectively, yep. you know, if a if a link failed, we needed to bring our backup device. We needed to power it on and plug it in and, and do the usual configurations to actually get that an active. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas now with this SD WAN fabric, it's it's. They're running active, active. So you know, if one link drops, you have automatic one kicks in and, and takes over. Yeah, sure. The routing of that traffic. So it's built a lot of resiliency, I suppose, into the network. And you've got, I mean, talk 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 me through some of the the outcomes that you've that you've been able to achieve. I mean, we spoke about it the other day. I mean, it's been been a pretty successful deployment, hasn't it? I mean, starting with this integration of four separate networks into one. Yeah, yeah, we, we we tackled it in two phases. So we did an Australian rollout first, um, which was a, a major outage uh, for the company. I, I, and I think we did it over the Australia Day long weekend to minimise the impact of the business. Cause oh, right. Time is money. Time is money for the lawyers. Um, you, you did know, it while well, well, well. minute incremental. So yeah, <laughs> he did it while the rest of the country was probably drunk. Yeah, pretty much. On, yeah. yeah, everyone was on leave. So yeah, yeah that, and it was just an opportune time to do it um, because it was over like, like 700 failover tests that we had to go through just to, to ensure that, you know, we built the, the right amount of resiliency and redundancy to the network. Well, that's the thing, I suppose, um, really. I mean, that, 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 that probably was weighing on you quite heavily, wasn't it? I mean, it's, it's, you, you moved to such a, such a new, um, you know, technology to, to roll out and, so, and, so, and it's such a, you know, so broadly and such, at such scale. Um, yeah, look, yeah. and I've always said the network is the foundation to everything. Like, unless you have a good, reliable, resilient, uh, good performing, secure network, I mean, you you know, the cloud applications, all those things you're trying to do and digitize your firms and use data and analytics and chatbots and all this type of stuff, which we're now using, yeah. you know, you need that network to be solid. Yeah. yeah. And now, and so one of the one of the things you spoke about the other day was the open APIs mm -hmm. that you've been able to sort of capitalize on as well, right? Yeah, it's a nice, yeah, so um, there's some nice integration pieces with the SD WAN fabric now so that we can, you know, build more security um, into that network. So uh, the integration pieces, I suppose, between some of our security platforms is a lot better now that we've got that open API layer that allows us to do that. Yeah, yeah. And also this concept of micro-segmentation, this, this is pretty important too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and, and you know, being able to segment what traffic traverses you know, what type of link, whether that be, yeah. a, you know, a broadband link, uh, an internet link or yeah. your traditional MPLS. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, and segmenting that out, and then and actually then it's built. They call it overlay. So the overlay is actually a security encrypted tunnel. Yeah. Um, so we can actually force a particular type of traffic, whether it be you know your Facebook traffic can go over you know a, a least cost internet link. Um, whereas you want your more like your email, your document management system, which the lawyers rely on heavily to, to go over our traditional MPLS, yeah. good performing, reliable links, you know, to make yeah. sure that they're getting the best experience. So you've certainly got better management at the application layer, right? Oh, definitely. And the visibility, yeah. And, and the visibility into that application traffic and what it's doing and, and what ports it's using, how much bandwidth it's using, what sort of latency has been experienced yeah. is all part of that um, SD-WAN fabric and, and the ease of management, I suppose, and what we can now see yeah. as a result. And what are you, what are your users able to experience now? You know, what, what's what's the user experience story that you're hearing from staff and lawyers at Minter Ellison? Well, the best thing I can say is that we're not hearing anything, <laughs> which is always a good thing. Indeed. Uh, you know, we're, we're not getting complaints about performance, etc. Oh, look, I will revert and get back back there. We, we uh, there are some performance issues because one of our while we do have the SD-WAN fabric in, it's more of, a, I call it a bit of a journey rather than implementation of SD-WAN. Right. So SD-WAN journey still in, includes looking after okay. our international users um, so they don't have to backhaul the internet traffic through to Australia. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting yeah. to say journey made this technology sound a whole lot more exciting all of a sudden. Well, yeah, it is, it is, well, it is a journey. Um, it, it's, it's taken time yeah. a, a bit longer than what I'd hoped for, yeah. um, but I feel... You know, it's getting there. We're getting better. Um, and, you know, there's big changes. We've got a change coming up in next weekend where we're going to, you know, um, upgrade the software on our 30 appliances right. um, so that we can start building these um, internet breakouts with the security levels that they require as well, which is always pretty important. Well, that, yeah, so that's that's interesting. I mean, and is that is that something that you perhaps would have done last year? Because I, I recall in our recent conversation, this is this is a rollout that commenced in 2019, oh, but yeah, 20, but 2020, <laughs> 2020 didn't accelerate this deployment um, as a lot of organisations saw the acceleration of their digital projects. The, you, you you were somewhat delayed, weren't you? So this year is oh, this yeah, year's yeah, going to be a yeah. big year for you with this rollout. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, last year, I mean, COVID just threw a spanner in the works big time, um, and plus we just had the usual other work going on. We had a you know a Melbourne office was trying to move last year as well. Uh, and, and COVID just threw a spanner in the works. Not only with having to sort of ramp up our networks to provide all of our staff with their access from home, yeah, yeah. but also then our Melbourne office move, the entire infrastructure um, was all built remotely and then had to be commissioned remotely um, using my team, infrastructure team, which is, you know, yeah. it took a fair chunk of last year just to get through that work. No, it doesn't sound fun. So this, no. this, this concept of cloud ready, we're all familiar with it. Talk to me yep, about, yep. so so what what impact has this deployment of SD-WAN had on, on Minterellis and then the, and the sort of the mindset not just for you and and your and your coworkers and the technology team, but the organisation more broadly, you know about the, you know, about moving, you know, being you know uh, solely a cloud based organisation. Yeah, it's one of the things we strive on our innovation mm. um, strategy is looking to adopt move to cloud more readily. I mean, I think we're one of the first Australian law firms to actually move to cloud back in twenty sixteen. Yeah, I think you might. Uh, been, and yeah. it's only, and it's only just accelerating. It's, it's more and more. Um, requirements and just, you know, the, the flexibility, the elasticity that you can get out of cloud um, versus trying to do something on-premise uh, is huge. Um, and so the SD-WAN has actually just allowed us to sort of, you know, funnel that traffic um, out, to the, out to our cloud providers a lot more easily and, and sort of what traffic then. 
think yeah. that way as well. Um, and it'll just, I think our, our cloud providers will eventually become, you know, our primary data centers per se. We won't have it, you know, we will have a small footprint on premise for those, you know, more secure applications. But, you know, cloud will be a, um, a big part of Mitchell Ellison going forward. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's a massive project that's about to kick off around the data analytics space. Yeah. Um, and that there's no way that can happen um, with on-premise um, equipment or software that's traditionally on-premise. Yeah, that's, that's all being driven from AWS and you know, that's, their data analytics um, services. That's interesting because I know, I know mm. you know, um, having spoken with people at Mintrell Ellison before that, uh, mm. previously that, that the AI and, and analytics are, are, um, are a pretty important part of the technology stack over there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they definitely, yeah. And, and it's just, yeah, there's a, it's, it's going to become more of an issue. Um, it, as I mentioned to you, there's another foundational piece of work happening at the moment yeah. um, where we're looking to you know, engage with our um, vendor in that area uh, to build data lakes and kinesis boxes and services, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, this chat, you know, we're also using chatbots, you know, we've got, you know, if you just go to our public website, we'll see that we've got a, yeah. a chatbot running there for the COVID. Um, yeah. That's all provided for AWS as well. Um, yeah. You know, we've, we've tried virtual receptionists and assistants, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's a big part of Mitchell going forward. Well, it sounds like a big year coming up ahead, mate. Well, Nathan, thanks so much for joining us and we look forward to having you back on the show again soon. Yeah, thanks, David. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And joining us now is Nikhil Batra, who's Associate Research Director looking at telecom for IDC. Nikhil, welcome to the CIO Show. Thanks, David, and pleasure to be here. Now, I understand you've just been working with IDC. You've just finished a report looking at the SD-WAN space, and there's been some fairly spectacular growth to report in the region. That's right, David. And we just finished our uh annual forecast for the SD-WAN market in uh, in Asia-Pacific, of which A&Z is also a big part. And uh, some of the growths that we've seen out of that are, are really, really big growth rates. Uh, so like the SD-WAN infrastructure, we expect that to grow about 28% for the next four years wow. in ANZ. Yeah. And the managed services, we expect that to grow over 50% uh, on an annual basis, again, until 2024 in ANZ. So those are some really big growth rates that we see there. They are, especially in that managed services space. So what's what's driving that? I I think COVID nineteen is partly had an impact on the whole whole SD WAN market because the the architectural advantages of SD WAN uh, with the ability to provide you know direct and secure connectivity to cloud applications with everybody working from home and responding to that increasing demand in bandwidth and uh, the flexibility to integrate with new network functions. Yeah. So that that kind of is well suited to the new economic model and the hybrid workforce model that we keep talking about. Yeah, sure. And the fact that when we talk about these things, how do you get along on this journey? How do you migrate from your legacy infrastructure and everything uh, to the software-defined paradigm is what's resulting in organizations working with service providers and that growth in the managed services market. And do you think that last year, um, you know, sort of following on from what you're saying, um, mm-hmm. that that a lot of CIOs have been forced to, if they weren't already, but forced to think more deeply about their network infrastructure and art, you know, do you think that these, you know, the role of the CIO and the network systems administrator are perhaps converging a little? I 
I think so. De- definitely, yes. I mean, yeah. from a yeah, you know, and from a forecast perspective, right? It's it's quite hard to assess the impact of COVID nineteen exactly because several businesses that were early adopters of SD van, such as finance, retail, hospitality, which had a lot of branches, of course, they have been yeah. Ad- yeah. adversely impacted. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of resulting in slow deployment in some of these areas over over the course of 2020. But on the other hand, uh, remote working is a net new opportunity. Uh, and what we see from our some of our survey data was that uh, ensuring, ensuring application performance, optimal application performance for remote users was the number one challenge for the IT managers and network managers. Yeah. And that means that SD-WAN is trying to close that gap yeah. and the role of the network managers and the CI is kind of merging to a large extent. Mm-hmm. And what are, you, what are you seeing in terms of the evolution of the technology? I mean, people really, I mean, the, the, people really started talking about SD-WAN probably about three years ago, I suppose. How far has the technology come, do you think, in that time? I think there's been a there's been quite quite a lot of de- uh, development in the technology itself, uh, just from the uh, intelligent behavior of how workloads are assigned to take different different paths and different underlays, uh, to how efficient that those you know all of those algorithms are, and also from a visibility point of view. Right. So what's exposed to the service providers and what's exposed to the end users to understand what's going on their networks yep. when. When SD-WAN first came out, it was, you know, it was allowing people to uh, define what paths to different workloads and different applications take. Yeah. Uh, but over the years, it's just the fact that uh, these technologies have matured uh, to allow organizations to uh, further segment that traffic and know what's going on yeah. uh, within within their network infrastructure. And so we've had this scenario where, as you said, so the managed services component is growing at about 50%. Um and that there's greater visibility into the network through these SD-WAN deployments, both on the user side and on the service provider side. Are we seeing perhaps a, a new a new dawn whereby there's going to be you know better information communicated better between service providers, network service providers, and and users about what is what exactly is happening with their networks. Yep, and and that's that's exactly what we see. And mm-hmm. SD WAN, uh, in addition to software defined networking in the core networks, mm-hmm. is helping uh, helping service providers define a lot of those things, having that increased visibility, uh, and then moving to that intent based networking kind of scenarios, uh, where organizations and service providers both are getting the advantage of understanding what's happening on their networks. Yeah. Uh, and then also proactively managing any issues if there are. So the ultimate nirvana stage of this, you know, which is still a few years away, but uh, it's about having those proactive self-healing networks yeah. uh, where in case something goes wrong, uh, AI and ML is used to heal that even before somebody uh, somebody knows the impact of it or a manual monitoring machine knows the impact of it. So there's, there's a lot happening in that space. And so this, this, this better management, this better... Um, visibility, presumably, this is translating into better network security. Uh, I mean, that's that's one of the. Is that, I mean, or is that, doing, still, is that still a bit debatable? Yeah, it's it's kind of debatable because I mean, security is not an inherent component of 
of SD WAN per se, and this is one of the myths that we've been talking about. Uh-huh. That because uh, in in the last survey that we did, interestingly, when we asked about you know what's the perception of organizations when it comes to security uh, because of an SD WAN implementation, I think about forty percent said that. Uh, 40% across Asia Pacific said that they uh, feel that it's more secure. Right. And then about about 35% said that they feel that they are much more vulnerable because of the software-defined nature of the network. Oh, uh, and, and, then, and, and which which group's right? <laughs> uh, and and that's that's the beauty of it, that both of the groups yep. are right in, their, right in their own ways because yep. SD-WAN in itself doesn't have inherent security, but what it does is, uh, it helps organizations integrate uh, security functions within uh, within the broader broader ICT environment uh, to to provide that additional security that's required for organizations today, especially in the distributed and hyper distributed world world that we live in now. Right. Uh, so, uh, SD WAN in itself, I mean, as a technology, it's not more or less secure than previous generations, but the fact that it allows you to uh, add on more uh, natural functions, integrate with those uh, network virtual functions in a better way, uh, provides for that additional security. So there's, there's, there's both ways to that. That's interesting. So look, I, I thought that was a fascinating observation, the fact that you um, many of the businesses that um, many of the industries that would have embraced SD-WAN or be, would have been likely to have embraced SD-WAN if COVID hadn't happened, such as mm-hmm. um, such as retail and hospitality and perhaps travel might be another example as well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite obvious why they would be deploying SD-WAN because they're very distributed type industries with, you know, multiple locations. Is, right. do, do, do you think that, that there's, for those organisations that had deployed SD-WAN and, um, and, and suffered last year, and even even those that may have gone out of business, but perhaps have a chance of resurrecting themselves. Do you think that they will be able to do so more quickly if they've got existing SD WAN infrastructure um, in place? I, I think so. I mean, yeah. SD WAN alone can't can't guarantee a lot of that, but it's definitely one of the one of the pieces of the puzzle because I mean, over the last few years, we have seen the move towards cloud and everything, right? Yeah. And organizations kind of realize that how you connect to those clouds is as important as which clouds you connect to and what applications you access because that that defines to a larger extent what the performance is going to be like. Uh, so when when we went back to working from home and things like that due to due to whatever happened last year uh, and it's still going on to you know in in different parts of the world uh, it SD-WAN kind of helps people cope with it in some some ways mm. uh, but interestingly, what we see from our COVID-19 surveys is that uh, I think two-thirds of the organizations or about 60% of the organizations across Asia-Pacific said that their IT and network spending for 2020 and 2021, uh, the plan is higher than what they planned before COVID-19 came into picture. And that just talks about how organizations, some of, or mo- a lot of organizations are actually using this as an opportunity to invest in their IT uh, IT infrastructure, in their networks infrastructure, yeah. to move to the software-defined space, yeah. to help them become more digitally resilient as they, you know, as we move through. Yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. Well, um, let's see what pans out this year. Nikhil, thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you back on the show soon. 
Thanks a lot, David. And thanks a lot for the opportunity. It was great talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. In our next episode, we'll be talking to CIOs and analysts, experts about the evolving hybrid cloud space. Is it something organizations should still be debating or, as some suggest, something that should be considered a default posture as they try to strike the right balance between freedom and control? We're talking about the rising challenges of properly monitoring, managing and securing hybrid cloud environments and the overall outlook for this growing space over the coming years. We hope you can join us. 